Okay, the first thing I'd like for you to know is that I do really, really well one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I love people and I love getting to share God with them. And on the way over here, I put in a Phillips Craig and Dean worship CD that's one of my favorites. And the song came on, It's All About You, Jesus. Got me centered. Because you can get really freaked out. I'm sorry, I'm not going to freak out. Because it's about Jesus and I'm just a person and the things I'm going to tell you are things that the Lord has shown me through um, Living Foundations Ministries and through His Word and through my own broken world experiences and I'm hoping that you'll leave here with some tools that you can use the same way that He's used them in my life. So the reason I know about these is because I've had to use them and I know that they work. Um, I'd like to say that I'm really honored to be here. It really is a privilege. I'm overwhelmed by the number of people. Twelve would have been fine with me. <laughs> Perfectly fine with me, because I told you I'm really good one-on-one. -on -one. There's a scripture verse that the Lord gave to me um, when Dr. Lynch asked me to come on staff in October of 2000. And it's one that my heart just sang whenever I heard it. Paul said it. Um, it's, he was speaking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.12. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him. And that really says my heart. There are some days that I am just overwhelmed with what God is doing. That he has taken all those broken places in my life and he's knocked off most of the rough edges of the ones I've experienced, but not all of them. He's polished them and he's turning them into beautiful things that he's using in the lives of women. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and that's not trite. As a matter of fact, I, at the last minute, I thought of this little thing that I made in preschool, because until May 17th, I was also a preschool teacher, which I'm not now. But we made these in preschool this year. And when you hold them up to the light, they're so much prettier. When you hold me up to the light, I'm so much prettier. I heard T.D. Jakes say this morning, it's not about your body size or your hair, what you look like. It's who you are on the inside. And God has taken the broken pieces, and some of them he's polished already. There are going to be others, and some he hasn't finished polishing. But you put it all together, and you hold it up to the light, and it really is beautiful. And that's what he does in our lives. He puts it up to the, to the light of Jesus, and he lets it shine through, and then it's something to see. Even though at times I thought, how are you ever going to make anything good out of this? I also had another scripture verse that the Lord gave me before my first counseling session in October, and it was, it was Psalms 32, 8. And I say this to myself before I came here, before I go to the office, before I have any kind of opportunity to speak with anyone, because God says, Sheila, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. In one of the translations, it says, and I'll keep my eye on you as you go that encourages me that anything that I say tonight, if it doesn't match up with God's word, just know that this mouth blew it. God's word's not wrong. It, you know, it's gotta, it has to match up with the word of God, and he is the one who's going before me and instructing me. I don't know what your hearts are. I don't know where you're at, but God does. And I've led enough Bible studies, and I've spoken to enough people to know that if God speaks a word to you, you'll be different. And so I'm, I'm trusting that he's going to speak today through his word and tomorrow 
and maybe through some of the experiences that I've had and some of the tools that he's allowed me to learn. And they are biblical tools. I had a lady at a church I was visiting. She said, oh, 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 here's my Christian counselor. Here's my Christian counselor. And I, I was just so cool to say to the guy, I'm not really a counselor because I'm thinking counselors are supposed to have all the answers. I'm a biblical people helper. The Word of God has all the answers. I'm going to help work together. We're going to figure out how to find out those answers. And the Holy Spirit's really awesome. He, it's amazing sometimes to me, the things that he gives us. But before I start, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pray. Precious Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege of being here. I ask, Lord, that you just tear down every lofty thing that's been built up against the knowledge of you. I ask, Father, that you'd bind the spirit of fear and confusion. I thank you, Lord, that you've promised that you give wisdom where it's needed, and God, it's needed tonight. And I thank you ahead of time for the wisdom that you're going to give. I pray, Lord, that the words that I speak would be pleasing to you. I ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds and spirits to what you have for us. And God, that we'd be willing to walk in obedience to each thing that you show us. I thank you, Lord. I ask that you'd fill this room with your presence. And don't allow the evil one to have any part here tonight. This room is filled with your children, your precious chosen ones. And I pray, God, that you just do a great and mighty work. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have a lot of things written down. And for a little while I might stay there. But, you know, I also know how the Lord works. And so we'll just, hopefully it'll, I'll loosen up a little bit. Okay, I read something the other day that stayed with me. I think it was probably a Chuck Swindoll. I have one of those perpetual calendar things. And, I, and I, I, when I read this, I started. I thought about it. I've said it to other people. And, it's, and it, see what you think about it. Apart from the way, there is no going. Apart from the truth, there is no knowing. Apart from the life, there is no living. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. If I don't speak from God's word, I don't have anything to say. Jesus is my way. He is my truth. And he is my life. On May the 12th, I told this, I think, to Marcella. And she said, oh, you have to tell them. But I already had decided I was going to tell you. On May 12th, I was at, um, in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, seeing my best friend's daughter graduate from Washita Baptist University. That's a mouthful. And I was in a room with my husband and her brother, 18-year-old brother, and they were asleep. And I needed some time by myself. And there's no place to go. I couldn't turn the light on. So I went in the bathroom. And there was a coffee pot. And I made my coffee. And I went in the bathroom. And I put pillows in the bathtub. And I got my coffee. And I got my notebook. And I got my Bible. And I just kicked back in that bathtub. And I said, Lord, what do you want to say to these women? And I just sat there as quiet as I could be. And this is what I heard him say. Tell them to be still and know that I am God. Tell them that I am in control. That I love them with an everlasting love. That I want to heal them through my word. That I want to lead them into victory. I said, okay. Now how are you going to do it? So then again, lots of things were going on. The end of school, my son was here from Tampa, my mother-in-law was here. So I'd had ideas, I was sticking things away in a notebook. And on May 31st, I, I cried out. I'm like, okay, God, show me how to start. You'd give me all these great ideas, but how do you want to put it together? And that day I wrote in my prayer journal, and I copied it down. 
I don't really know what to do, how to start. Please show me how to start. I truly believe you will accomplish your purpose. I'm thanking you for bringing me to this place, and I'm crying out to you. Help. How do I start? And I have a habit of reading through. During my quiet time, I just read through. It's not like random. Right now I'm reading through the book of Psalms. Actually, I'm reading through the, the whole Bible, and, and I'm in the book of Psalms right now. And so after I prayed that prayer, my next place to go was Psalms 105. And I felt like this is what he said to me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. And I thought to myself, so it begins. That's how I started that day. I did praise the Lord. I did go back and remember the deeds that he had done. And I did remember the marvelous things that he's done because he's brought me down some very painful roads. And that's how I came to be at this place. And so I went back and I gave thanks and I've spent time praising the Lord because this is the way that my life works. I'm used to him talking to me. I'm used to him talking to me through his word and through just being, being still and having him um, tell me what he wants me to do. So I think I have clear direction and I'm hoping that your hearts are open to receive what he has for you. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about LFM. I brought a few of the things. I stopped by the office today, and these are some of the things that we just have there. We have lots of other things, and I was supposed to make a sheet of all the products, but I couldn't find the master, and nobody was there. So if you want, you can buy these things tonight, or you could call the office and ask what else they have. Dr. Lynch has written um, two books. I should forgive, but, and you can work it out. And he's in the process of getting the third one, and so we just have the unedited copy, God's Peace in Your Home. And he makes lots of tapes that we use in the, in the counseling office. Someone will come in, we'll work on a problem, then we'll send them home with a tape, which saves them a lot of time and a lot of money because he can cover things, and then you come back and you're ready to work on it. And, and so there are lots of tapes there. I picked up um, this 31 Days of Praise is something that we just have at the office that has really uh, meant a lot to me, and I did, didn't know if any of you had seen that. The uh, Love Languages, if you've never seen that, that's excellent for your, um, to know about your husband, your children, your friends, love languages, that's very helpful. And then we have a new adventure that we're doing at uh, Living Foundations, it's called Grace Adventure. And there's some information about that. It's kind of like a breakthrough, if any of you ever heard breakthrough. It's kind of like that, except it goes a little bit beyond that. And so that's a new thing that we have some people on staff that are getting ready to do. But Living Foundations Ministry is a teaching ministry. I know that people, it's counseling, and it is counseling, but what we do, people come in and they have a problem, and we don't fix problems. Sorry, if you want to come in and get a problem fixed, not going to happen. But what we do is try to help you find the biblical tools so that you can work through the issues in your life. Because if you came in and you had a problem, and we fixed it, what would you do the next time you had a problem? Hmm. We'd be making lots of money, and we don't. I can tell you that for sure. But um, tonight, the biblical tool I'm going to be presenting to you is one that Dr. Lynch presented to my husband and me in the summer of 1990. My husband and I came into his office. We were emotionally and spiritually, not physically, but we were beaten up. We were bloody, and we were bruised, and I was on my way out, and my husband said, if we don't get help, 
I don't know what's going to happen. Our marriage wasn't going to make it. I think there was a little bit of him being afraid that I wasn't going to make it. And I tell you what, if it wasn't for my kids and the Holy Spirit, I probably would have done something. That, that's how desperate we were. That's the reason I'm telling it to you like that. And actually, I didn't want to go. And I tell people a lot of times, my, my finger claw prints are still in the concrete in the front. My husband <laughs> drug me in there. But what we learned in there, he didn't fix our problems. Actually, we left pretty beat up and pretty bruised and pretty bloody, but we were cleaned up a little bit. But he began to teach us these tools I'm going to share with you tonight to help us sort out where we were at, what was going on with us. Actually, the one today and the one I'm going to do tomorrow are the two that I probably use most in my life and, and really have helped me the most because I was making a lot of bad choices, and so was he. So. Um, the one that we're going to talk about tonight, actually, we'd had people, we were in church. We were both very active in church. I'd been saved when I was seven, and my husband was saved when he was 25. And I loved the Lord, and I was active in a, in a good church, but it was a place that didn't know about biblical tools. And so they only had one tool, and it was take everything to the foot of the cross, which is a great thing, but you need something else. That's like a saw, and a saw is a great thing if you need a saw. But if you need to hammer a nail, a saw doesn't work very well. And so that's a wonderful tool, but we just needed, we needed some more help. And the tool I'm going to talk to you about today, we call it the black box. Dr. Lynch has this ugly black box. But I brought it because this is what he calls it. He calls it the black box. And the analogy is that on an airplane, if you have a crash, what's the first thing they try to find? The black box. Why do they try to find that? Well, okay, exactly. It has, it has information that has gone into this box that will tell them, hopefully, why it crashed. They'll be able to figure out maybe how to prevent it from happening again. Every bit of information, hopefully, will help them so that this won't ever happen again. Well, we have a black box inside of us, too. The only difference is, is that our black box doesn't just take information in. It interprets the information, too. And guess what? It's broken. And I was thinking about that today. How did it get broken? It got broken, I think, probably when Eve ate that piece of fruit. I think the way God designed it, we would have been able to figure it out. But that's the part that got broken. And so we have a black box that takes information in, but it doesn't interpret it correctly most of the time because our black box is broken. So God has given us this container of a brain, and information goes into it. It goes into it the same way, whether you're a Christian or not. It makes absolutely no difference. It goes in exactly the same way, one way or the other, because memory isn't a function of the spirit. It's a function of the mind. So being a Christian doesn't really change how you bring information in. It will help you. Um, being a Christian can help you to learn how to interpret the information correctly, but there's no guarantee that you'll do that just because you're a Christian. So the black box of the plane only gets, gives out information, and our black box interprets it. So our black box is sick and broken, and it's mixed up. And I wanted to draw a little picture here, because we're going to kind of refer to this. This is the spirit. Thank you, God. This is your history. We'll call this old data. data. 
and this is new data. So when you have something that happens to you, it runs through this old history thing right here. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to change it so that it'll go up through here, but now it'll come and be like this. You'll have new data based on, you're going you're gonna to take it out of this, and you're going to actually kind of goes back through here, and it's going to be new data because it's going to be by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and your information is going to be changed. In Jeremiah 17:9, it says, the heart, or that black box, is more deceitful than all else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, or that black box, and I test the mind. Our black box is lie-based, even if we're saved. And I had, I wrote down here, there were some women, I have, and seriously, and I'm, I'm trying to think. Every woman that comes into my office, they're the most beautiful women. It's like looking out at this room of women. They're just the most beautiful women that come into my office. I've seen teenagers clear up through women who are in their 70s, you know, that their, their lives are almost over and, and lives are beginning. And every one of them, just as gorgeous as they can be, and every one of them had the same problem. They're all trying to make those lies that are in that black box work. That's exactly what every single one of us try to do. Try to make those lies work. I saw a woman a couple of weeks ago that has been married. She was, she's very pretty. Um, real tiny and sweet little hair and, and just a real pretty woman. She's been married three times. She's on her third marriage and she's in serious trouble. And she came into the office. She said, I really thought I had it figured out this time. I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. We were in the singles group together. I thought I had it figured out this time. And I've just made a bigger mess than I've ever made before. And she asked me, what is broken? What is broken? She has no idea how she keeps making this same mistake over and over again. So I had this idea. Remember, I used to teach preschool. She's a young woman who swallowed a lie. I don't know why she swallowed a lie. I don't know why she swallowed a lie. Perhaps she'll die. And she just might. She swallowed a lie. Now these are actually, I have seven lies, and these are my lies. You may have different lies, and later on we'll do something with these lies, but right now we have my lies. I am unlovable and no one can love me. That's my lie number one. So I put that fly in there. Now I don't know why I swallowed that lie, but then because I had that one in there, I had to swallow the spider that wiggled and jiggled and tickled inside her to eat the lie or to try to help with that lie. This one says, I can do every, anything, I, I can't do anything right, even nothing. I can't do anything right. So you know what that lie makes me do? Try harder. Let's just try harder. Now these aren't necessarily in any kind of lower logical order. And then I have to swallow a bird. How absurd to swallow a bird. But I need the bird to eat the spider that wiggles and jiggles and tickles inside her. And then we need the spider to eat the fly, but we don't know why she swallowed that fly. I must perform well to be accepted. 
That's one of my lies. Maybe it's one of yours. Your lies don't have to be my lies. And I'll talk about the events, too, that caused me to believe these lies. Number four, I must do everything perfectly. Now, I know that none of you have that lie in your black box. <laughs> I might have a little inside information on a few of you. <laughs> actually, actually, Dr. Lynch says that um, 85% of people are, have perfectionistic tendencies, and the rest of them are in denial. So <laughs> we all have that, so don't feel bad about that. I don't feel I'm as good as everyone else. That's one of my lies. I had to fight that one on the way over here tonight. God got rid of that one with Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I don't feel I have anything to offer anyone. Hmm, that's a big one of mine. I don't have anything to say. And then, of course, she swallowed the horse. I feel guilty about almost everything I do. <laughs> That's a big one, isn't it? That's a very big one. So those are my, seven of my lies. That's not all of my lies, but that's seven of my lies. And later on, we'll talk about what we can do about some of those lies. But I just thought, this is a cute way for you to realize you do swallow lies. And the truth is, perhaps you might die if you don't deal with some of those lies. Um, one of the things I've learned is that Hang up there, girlfriend. One of the things that I've learned is that um, I think when we're children, things happen to us. I know, when we're children, things happen to us. And Satan has a plan, and he just can plant that little lie. And you know what? He could actually just go away and never bother you again. Because with that lie planted in your soul, you'll self-destruct. Because we keep trying to make those lies work, and they won't work. Seems like when you get to be like in your late 30s, late 20s, early 30s, you start realizing that the lies don't work. And there's a reason for that. We have, each of us have in our lives events that happen to us. And we assign to those events meaning. And then out of that meaning, we get a feeling. Well, you know, this makes me feel. And then, tonight, we're going to figure out how to find the truth. Now, I'll give you an example. Say a two-year-old girl's mother died, so death would be the event. She gives it some meaning. The meaning that she gives it is that my mama left. She doesn't love me. She's two, remember. She doesn't understand. So she gives it meaning. Then the feeling comes. If I'm not loved, I feel. No? Oh, OK. I'm not loved. I feel unlovable. Okay, the rest of her life, she acts out of that lie. She will do all of these things, some of these things I've talked about, to be loved, to get loved. This will be the little girl that might be promiscuous because she feels that nobody's going to love her. There are any number of things that we might do. Actually, that was one of my lies, that I'm not loved. 
um, and that I've not wanted. And so then that led to performance and perfectionism. And if I could just do this, then they would love me. And you know, so the rest of her life, she acts out of that lie. Are you getting the picture? It's, um, we understand that we live out every day the distorted lies in our black box, in our heart, and we try to make those lies work. God's word even tells us about this reality. And it's interesting when you start thinking about it along these lines, how many verses you find that, that go along with it. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks or reasons in his black box within himself, so he is. He thinks it, that's what he acts out. She thinks that she's not loved. She feels unlovable. She acts out of that lie. Do you know what the truth is? What would you put in this box right here? I've never got past the third one. Okay. <laughs> Yay! I love that. I can't wait that I'm going to tell you what to put in that box. I can't wait. The thing of it is, is when I went into Dr. Lynch's office that first day, all he did to me is he took a piece of that yellow, he's got stock in that yellow paper. <laughs> and he's ripped that paper off and he folded that puppy in two. And he said, on one side you write the lie and on one side you write the truth. Really, that's all I'm going to tell you. I'm just taking a long road because we got to go until 9 o'clock, right? <laughs> I can, you want me to be finished? You want me to be finished? That's it. You put it in two. One side is the lie and one side is the truth. You begin to identify what that lie is and you replace it with the truth. What do you think the truth is going to be? That you are loved. Exactly. Exactly. That you are loved. That's it. You got it. I'm done. Um, Luke 6, 45b says, For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. What is in your heart is what you speak from. I'm really aware of that one. Luke 6.45a says, The good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. We may not always live out what we believe, but we will always live out what we believe in a crisis. Always. That's a good gauge. You come apart. Do you really believe that God's there for you? Do you really believe he can be trusted? You'll act that out in a crisis. Hard times cause us to reveal what we really think and believe. And this revelation, believe it or not, is a good thing. You know why? Why do you think it's a good thing? You, we talked about it just a few minutes ago. That's okay. Because the reason it's a good thing is because we have to realize that it's God's goal to reveal to us what the lies are and replace it with the truth. If we never came into a crisis, if we never came into a hard thing, we would never realize what we were operating out of. And it's God's goal. He wants us to know that. God's desire is that we replace the lies with the truth. Psalms 15, verses 1 and 2 says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent, who may dwell on your holy hill, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. To himself. It doesn't say to himself, but that's what it is. Speaks truth in his heart to himself. Psalms 51.6 says, Behold, 
thou dost desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part that will make me know wisdom. So you get the picture that truth in, in that black box is really important because it was damaged at the garden and God is in the process of restoring us to that thing that he created us to be. John 1.14, And the words became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 6.14, Stand firm, therefore, girding your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's something that I do every day, sometimes even before I get out of bed because of the, you know, when you're involved in, actually, I did it even before I was involved in Christian ministry, but just the first thing you do is gird your loins with truth. If you don't gird your loins with truth, the rest of that armor that's in Ephesians um, 6 all hangs off of that belt. And if you don't have your loins gird with truth, then you're not going to believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not going to fully accept that he is your helmet of salvation, that he's there to protect you. Without him, there's no hope. You're not going to gird your feet with a, or shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're not going to dig in and, and make sure you're defending what you need to defend and proclaiming what you need to proclaim. You're not going to believe that that shield of faith extinguishes all the fiery darts of the evil one. And you're not going to put your hand on that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and have it used mightily in your life and the life of people that you come in contact with. If you don't gird your loins with truth, you're not going to believe any of that. So you have to have your loins gird with truth. God desires that we correct our stinking thinking to God's thinking for our benefit and his glory. Everything he does in our life is for our benefit and his glory. I'm going to read to you Romans 12, but I'm going to read it to you from a different translation. And I didn't. I didn't write it down in this translation. That's why I wrote that down there. I have it written down in another one. Romans 12, 2. It's very familiar. Actually, here's the way it sounds in probably King James. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. But listen to it out of this translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change the way you think, and we are not going to get that black box to work. We're going to have to reprogram it, and that's, that's, what the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. And with this tool that you're going to have tonight, I'm so excited that you didn't never know how to get out of that third box. Okay. <laughs> See, I've been doing this for so long. I just It's kind of like when we started eating healthy and everything that we did, like my, I had a son that had some health issues, and so I like grind my own wheat, make my own bread, and I just, we were like so into the health food thing that when I would go places and other people didn't know the things that I knew, I'm like, really? because you're just so doing it. And that's kind of the way this is, too. After you do it for a while, it's exciting to find someone who doesn't know it because it's like, this is really, it saved me. It saved me. Um, it really put me on the road to beginning to operate out of the truth instead of out of lies. Okay, 
So what is the process? This is the part that we're excited about. How do we correct or begin to correct our stinking thinking? Well, we have several things. We have several. See, even that's an old phrase. I can't believe you girls. We have to begin with, and I think I gave you a piece of paper in your little folder thing that has, has these steps down there. The first thing that we have to do is identify. Identify what the lies are that we're trying to operate out, out of. The lies are not going to match up with the plumb line of scripture. They're not going to be true. Just like this one, I'm not, loved. I'm not loved. Does that match up with what you know about God's word? What does he say? He says that you are holy and blameless, that you are chosen and, and beloved. Those are the things that he says about you. So you begin to identify what the lies are. Psalms 139, 23, and 24 say, Search me, O God, and know my heart, my core belief system, the thing that I believe deep down inside. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And then John, um, 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test every spirit. Even the things that I'm saying to you tonight, don't take them for, for because I say them. You take those scripture verses, you go home, you look it up yourself, you find out for yourself, you test and see. I could be telling you wrong. I'm not going to mean to, but I could. So you need to be on your toes and you need to be checking it out and letting the Holy Spirit you know, show you if, if what I'm saying is the truth. So the first thing that you have to do is hold up the plumb line of God's word and identify the lies in your life. And that's going to happen through crisis. That's going to happen when you act out in that crisis, what you believe, you're going to begin to see that I really do believe this lie. And I have a few that have recurred over the years, but the Lord does just give me revelation and, and deeper healing. And you know, you just begin to, even tonight, coming over here, you know, Satan tried to do that to me. But I had so many people praying for me, and, and I just put that tape in, and the Lord just said, Sheila, it's not about you. It's about me. Go over there and just have fun and tell them what you know. And so that's what I'm doing. So you have to identify it. Did I read Psalms 139 to you? Yes, I did. Okay. Okay. The second step is that you need to remove it or renounce it. 1 John 1, 9, everybody knows that one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even those things, if we confess what we know we've done, he cleans up the rest of it. I love that verse. You know, he wants me to agree with him. I've done this. It's not right. God, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. And if I will confess what I do know, he takes care of the rest. He cleans up the rest of it. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 11. I love this verse. I'm, I don't have the whole thing written down, but it talks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I acted like a child. But when I grew up, I put away those childish things, put away those childish ways of thinking. Because what, the reason that these, we have these lies in our life is that they worked for a while. They helped us. They helped us to survive in awful situations. I think the reason that my lies were so entrenched, you can turn it on. You hot? Oh. I think you can see this right here. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. We're almost finished. Yeah. Okay. 
I have actually I'll, I'll say this because I didn't I didn't bring this, but one of my one of my favorite books when I began to identify what my lies were, there's actually a book that's by David Siemens. He's one of my favorite Christian authors, and he actually has a book out that's called Putting Away Childish Things. And in that book, he identifies some thinking that I did not realize was childish. Things that I believed about my parents. I mean, I'm like, really? This is not right? But I didn't have any idea. So if you really want to begin to this journey of knowing what your lies are, if you really don't know what they are, that's a really good book, um, Putting Away Childish Things. And then 2 Corinthians 10.5, we're destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So identify the lie and remove it. I give this, this verse right here was, uh, God used it in my life in a really powerful way. My husband and I were really in a bad place. And our marriage was almost over and some things had happened that I just couldn't get over it. I just couldn't get over it. And, and I would do okay for a little while and then those things, you know, I would be reminded of something or something would happen. And I remember one day we were driving down the road and we were on our way to get pizza and we we're like cheerful, da 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 da, just having a great time. And all of a sudden, I just felt that mantle come over me. I physically felt my body start to like slump down on the seat and I just cried out. I say, God, I cannot take this thought captive. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. Take it captive for me. And he did. And he did. And it was the first time since we'd started going through that difficulty, it was the first time my husband could read my body language. He was turning that car around. We were not going to go get pizza. There's no sense in taking her. She's done. And, and I just, I just <sighs> took a deep breath and felt myself just sit up. And I said, no, it really is okay. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and go. So that scripture verse is very dear to me because I recognize that I don't even at times have the power to take the thoughts captive, that the Holy Spirit will do that for you if you cry out to him and ask him. So we've identified, we've removed or renounced it, and then we need to replace it. We begin to replace it with God's truth. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It is God's word only that can replace the lies. By the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way. So when you draw that line down the middle of the paper and you identify what the lie is, then you ask God, show me what the truth is, because sometimes you're not going to know. You're going you're to be so under that lie that you're not going to be able to do that. And you ask God to show you, and I can guarantee you he will show you. He will show you. You can also ask him, show me the historical event. Where did this lie come from? Where did this lie come from? Because he can go back and speak truth to that too. He can go back and speak truth to that, and, and it helps you to understand, and then you have a responsibility, which we're going to get to. So in Psalms 119.11, thy word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Very important that we are doing those, that we're taking the word in, spending time in the word. I love the little thing you had every day, just a little bit, just spend a little bit of time. I have a thing that I say to the women who come in if they're not doing anything to nurture their spirit or to take care of themselves spiritually. And I say, can you make a commitment of seven minutes? Do it, I could do that. 
Can you do seven minutes? Seven minutes a day. Pray for one minute. Read your Bible for five minutes and pray for one minute. It isn't how much time you're doing. It's that you're doing it. God honors obedience. He honors obedience. Then after you've reinforced it through God's word, actually I think you reinforce it through a lot of things. Being careful what you do with your mind. Don't go places. Don't look at things. Don't listen to things that are going to be warring against your spirit. Don't do those things. So there's other things besides just the word, just like coming over here. You know, I was having a battle in my mind, and man, I put that praise music in, and I'm sorry, God inhabits the praise of his people, and I was singing loud, and those freeway people are looking at me like, what is that woman bebopping down the freeway like that? You know, but you know what? You reinforce it any way that you can. There was a time when I was so bad that I had scripture tapes, and, I, and that's, I, had, I had to listen to scripture tapes all the time just to keep my mind from going back to the places where I'd been so wounded. And then the fifth thing is that you control it. Philippians 4, 7. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, is of good repute. If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. I want you at this moment to think of a lie that you're trying to make work in your life. Do you have one? Do you? Good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you as your precious child, that I am dearly loved, and I come against that lie. It has to go. It belongs in the pit. And if that lie comes back, it has to be subject to me. Just like a spoiled child, it has to be subject to me. And God, I just pray that you take that lie from me even now. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the way you do it. When the lie comes, you just take authority over it. You control it. You do not have... I, I have this little saying, a bird can come and land on your head but you don't have to let it build a nest. And that's what you do. When you let a thought come that has no business with you, it has no part with the truth of God, don't let it build a nest. Satan's always trying to get us to give in to those things. You know, that's the one thing he has is deceit, and the one thing he messes with is our mind. And if he can't deceive us, he doesn't have any power, he doesn't have any control. So don't let, just don't let it build a nest. So, what are some of the thoughts and lies that need to be corrected? Where's my lady? Here are the ones that I had, and there are lots more. As a matter of fact, I think it's Chris Thurman from Menrith and Meyer has a book out that's called The Lies We Believe. And it's a wonderful book because it, it actually takes the lies and gives you a, a scripture to help you replace it. And those are the kinds of tools that you need. Those are the kinds of help that you need until you get the hang of this and you begin, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't take much. If I feel myself getting riled up or stirred up in some way, I can say, Lord, what's, where, where's this coming from? I used to overreact to my son. I have a 28-year-old son. And when he was still at home, I used to overreact to him really bad, really bad.
And I can remember one time standing at the, at the bathroom, and this is after I'd been learning these things, and I was standing at the bathroom, and he was facing me, and I recognized that I was way overreacting to what he had done. And I just stopped, and I said, Lord, what is this? What is this lie? What is causing me to do this to my son? And the Lord said to me, he reminds you of your dad. It's your dad that you're angry at. And at that moment, I purposed in my heart that my son would never again pay for my anger toward my father, that that was so unfair to him. And I apologized to him, and I felt inside of me a release because I understood what was driving me, that negative emotion, what was driving me. So that was a big, a big help to me. So the, lie that I, the first lie that I had is, I am unlovable and no one can love me. Now, I've pinned that down to an event this thing right here. The reason that I believe that lie is because I wasn't wanted. Now, nobody actually said those words, you're not wanted, but think about this. My mom was 14 and my dad was 21. Do you think I was wanted? Nobody said a word, but in my spirit, if I was 14, I wouldn't want a baby. And my father was outrageously abusive. Most days, I wasn't sure if my mom would be alive or dead when I woke up. That's how bad it was. That was my fault. If I hadn't been born, they wouldn't be fighting. I don't know that my mom knows that truth, but I know it and I don't hold it against anybody. God has healed that in me. So on this side, is the event and the truth and the truth is I am created in the image of God and God is love and he loves me and that's John 13 16 so now I take that lie I've replaced it with the truth it goes through and it becomes new data and now I operate out of that I operate out of that truth the second lie that I told you is I can't do anything right the event that I put that to was critical parents because they were so unhappy, I couldn't do anything right. Seriously. I mean, that's what it felt like to me as a kid. I couldn't do anything right. The truth that I put with that, I can do all things that God expects me to do through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. Now, I have reprogrammed that lie. Does that mean that lie will never come back? No. But I know what the truth is. And when it comes back, I run it through the new data. I don't run it through the old. Oh, I'm sorry, that's old information. That's obsolete. And I, then I operate, so I operate out of the truth instead of out of, instead of out of the lie. Okay, my third lie was, I must perform well to be accepted. The event that I put to that was conditional love. It really was conditional. If I performed well, I was accepted. I mean, that's pretty easy. And, but they were operating out of their own lies. You know, and I know that. So the truth that I put with it was my total acceptance is in Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. I can now act and serve out of appreciation for this acceptance, not to earn it. I did that one for a long time. I must perform well to be accepted. I was really good. It nearly killed me, but I was really good. I could keep a perfect house.